All right. Hey, it's great to be with you guys today. Yeah. Thank you for your warm welcome. Um, I, I hope you had a, a good Valentine's Day, no matter what your status is. I hope you had a great time with that. Um, but you know what the definition of true love is? Oh, there we go. Okay. Thank you. Give you a little bit more space to spread out on here. No, that's fine. No problem. Hey, so you know what the definition of true love is? Leaving your poolside lounger in Florida and driving to Bainbridge, New York to preach. I got you. I got you. So, yeah, there you go. Well, y'all want to come down and visit anytime, you're welcome. So, are we able to get the slides up on the screen there? Okay. <laughs> well, um, jumping into this uh, World Religions series, um, but before we do that, um, I actually want to share with you something that has been um, a concern for me recently, and, and so a little current events kind of discussion just for a moment. I don't get a chance to like pop into your connect group anymore or you know, have con you know, conversations with you uh, outside of Sunday morning. So this is my one chance to, to kind of talk to you about my pet peeve. Um, so there, there's, there's kind of three current events that for me have all kind of merged together um, to expose a problem. So you've heard a couple of people already this morning um, make reference to the Asbury Revival. If you haven't seen anything about that, you need to go check it out. There's some cool things going on there. Um, I had the opportunity actually to meet the president of Asbury Theological Seminary this last week. Um, Justin and a group of people went down and actually experienced it for themselves. So I'm sure he would fill your ear with a lot of interesting things about that. But so there's, there's that going on. Uh, maybe you've seen the advertising campaigns called He Gets Us. Have you seen those? If you watch any football, uh, if you watch the Super Bowl, uh, they spent $20 million to do advertising on the Super Bowl. Um, and then the other one is, uh, and, and this has been going on for a while, but The Chosen, right? Have, have any of you seen parts of The Chosen? You don't have to, not, not necessarily the whole thing, but well, so. I fear that one of the things that's come out of COVID is an accentuated critical spirit. I, I, I see this over and over again on social media. And, and let me be clear, there's a difference between discernment, critical thinking, and having a critical spirit. And so here are these things that are they're going on. He gets us the Asbury Revival, The Chosen. Are there things that I could criticize about all three of those? Absolutely. But the problem is, I feel like there are an awful lot of people criticizing these things to, like, not discerning, not, not critical thinking. They're just being critical. They're, they have a critical spirit. And so let me share with you just a couple things that I came across. So this one is Shane Pruitt wrote this. He tweeted this. He said, um, us, Lord, send us revival. God says, here you go. And we go, oh, well, here's my list of concerns, critiques, and cautions about it. Right? Or, um, you know, people are criticizing the He Gets Us campaign. And, 
right, some of that rightfully so. Would I have spent $20 million on Super Bowl ads? I probably would have spent the $20 million on the social issues that they're trying to address, right? But, but here's the thing. I, I think Pastor Ron uh, posted this on, on Facebook, and I think he nailed this. I, he, just, he just really, whether it's he gets us or the revival or whatever, he said, if you think for a moment that God can't or won't use people to do his work that have a different theology or perspective from us, we're sadly mistaken. God will use whatever and whoever he wants to to further the message of Jesus, despite our opinions. So listen, it's okay to be discerning. It's okay to, to, to look at things and go, okay, that's not theologically accurate. That's not, um, maybe that's not the way I would go about it, the way I would approach it. But it's another thing to have a critical spirit and just be, you know, shooting. You know, it's bad. We're, we're getting shot at by the world, right? We don't need to have friendly fire. We shouldn't be shooting at each other. In fact, here's what the Apostle Paul said about this. He said, he's talking about people that were preaching for all the wrong motives and all the different, wrong ways. And, he, and he, his conclusion was, it doesn't matter whether their motives are false or genuine. The message about Christ is being preached either way. So I rejoice. And I will continue to rejoice. So I hope you are rejoicing when the gospel is shared, even if it's in ways that maybe we're not completely comfortable with. All right, so I'll get off my soapbox. We'll jump into the series message here. We're talking about world religions. And this morning, maybe you recognize this guy. You recognize him? Dalai Lama. And he is the probably the most well-known, the face of the religion of Buddhism. And maybe this is a, a familiar image. It gives you an idea of something that you might see uh, related to Buddhism. Buddhism has 520 million plus followers across the globe. And many of us, uh, I, I'm probably the same way, when you think about Buddhism, you think Southeast Asia, Thailand, and places like that. Did you know there's a Buddhist temple right in our backyard, right here in Green Broom County, right? So it's not, this is not just some uh, mystic religion that's off in another part of the world. There's Buddhists around us. There are many popular uh, people in pop culture and, and music and movies that, that are Buddhists. Um, in fact, in, if you want to see like what it's like inside there, there's a picture of inside a Buddhist temple, very colorful. Um, but it's, you know, they, they gather together in worship and they function uh, in some ways like a, a church that we're accustomed to. But they have very, very different beliefs. So as we're talking about world religions, I want to take just a pause for a second and, and, and explain the why. Like, why talk about this? Last week, I, I think you talked about Islam, right? Talked about Muslims. Um, and, and you're going to talk, you know, you're going to do a couple more in this series. Um, here's the thing. If you, if you have not been through 201, I would encourage you to go through 201 with somebody. In fact, if you went through 201 more than a couple years ago, 
I would encourage you to take somebody else through 201 and use the new material. And here's why. When I rewrote this two years ago, um, there was a shift in emphasis. And one of the things that we, that we wanted to focus on, and one of the things that I incorporated in here, is that in sharing your faith, the most important part of sharing your faith is not talking. It's listening. It's, it's asking probing questions. It's understanding where the person's coming from. It's getting a, an, an idea of their background and what they currently believe, what their current worldview is, because then that will help you to better explain the gospel in a way that makes sense to them. And so that is the reason why we're spending this time going through talking about different world religions. Be very careful about trying to just gain knowledge, right? We, we talk about this even when it comes to our theology, right? It, theology is important. In fact, we're going to talk about an important theological principle in just a second. But if all you're doing is learning facts and you're building up your knowledge, but it doesn't impact how you live, then the Bible says that puffs up, right? So it's good for us to learn about these religions. The question is, what are we going to do with it, right? So the why behind it is how to share your faith. So when we talk about the, the religion of Buddhism, it has its history uh, from the 5th century. And here's what the founder of Buddhism said. He said, all things will continue to decay, so work out your own solution with care. When you think about Buddhism, one of the things that should come to your mind, I think most people are, are aware of the fact that one of the core principles of Buddhism is reincarnation. And that'll actually make a little more sense as we, we talk further, like why they believe that, why that's important. But here's, here's the thing about reincarnation. Um, they believe that we have a material part and an immaterial part. Now, if we were to break that, that down into evangelical, like theological terms, we talk about whether a person is a trichotomist or a dichotomist, right? Here's the thing. Okay, so when we talk about, we talk about theology, not, is, there's not too much controversy about the fact that we have a triune God, right? The Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. God created man in his image. So many of us believe, and there are, there are a number of passages throughout the New Testament you can go to find to support this, that, that we are created body, soul, and spirit, three parts, right? But there, are, it, it, there is a little bit of controversy. There are some evangelicals that believe in dichotomy, in other words, that there's the, the physical and then the soul and spirit are the same. Well, when you start talking about Buddhism, here's, here's the danger of that idea of dichotomy, is they believe the same thing. They believe in a material part and an immaterial part. Now, let me, let me give you some examples of how this all plays out. Now, this is my take. And this is probably a little bit more 
controversial than trichotomy to dichotomy. I believe animals, certain parts of the animal kingdom, have souls. Now, that may sound weird to some people. But if you've been around animals enough, you know, they, they have personality, right? They have emotions. They, have, uh, they, they, get, they get happy, they get sad, you know, whatever, right? They, so I argue that they have souls. But now here's the difference. If you're a trichotomist, right, you believe that man was created in God's image, not the animals, right? So there's, there's body, soul, and spirit. Now, I don't see any support biblically for the idea that, that animals have spirits. In fact, I've had, I think, five cats in my lifetime, my five pets, right? And I've tried to witness to every one of my cats. <laughs> I, I mean, I sat them down and gave them the whole gospel, the Romans road, and they licked themselves and rolled over and fell asleep. Okay? There you go. I even, I even tried this, you know, so some people say dogs are smarter, right? So, so I even tried this on some friends' dogs. You know, I shared the gospel with, with the dogs. And, and, you know, they were pretty smart dogs. I even got them to do things like, you know, like, um, you know, play dead. Yes, Jesus died on the cross, you know. Roll over. Yes, he was in the grave for three days, you know. All right, jump, you know, jump up, jump up. Yeah, yeah, he rose again after the third day, right? Um, but listen, that dog still didn't make a decision to follow Jesus, okay? Right? And that's because they, you know, I, my opinion is they have a soul, but they certainly do not have a spirit. Well, that's the problem when we start dealing with what Buddhists believe is in reincarnation. Because if you believe that there is a material part and an immaterial part, and you don't see the difference between the soul and the spirit, then, then what they believe actually is kind of logical. Because they believe that, that the immaterial part goes back and gets recycled and comes out in various different ways. And there's, you know, we could have a lot of fun with that. But I'm, my purpose this morning is not to make fun of Buddhism. But so when you, when you think about that stuff, they, they, you know, they talk about reincarnation. You, you might see images like this where they're very focused on improving their place in the afterlife. And so here's just a couple things that you might hear when you look at or read material or talk to people. So Buddhism talks about four noble truths. One of them is the reality of suffering. Um, Buddhists, will, they want to intentionally experience suffering because they believe that suffering will improve their eternal place. And, and so they, they, will, they, they see the suffering in the world and they're willing to go through that you know, more suffering for themselves, self-deprecation, to improve their place eternally. They believe that there's an end of suffering, that, that, when, they, that when you go through um, all the process of reincarnation and you go through the different experiences within the religion, in fact, they would call it the eightfold path to enlightenment. So when you finally achieve enlightenment, you have, you have suffered enough 
that then you finally achieve peace. And one of, that's one of the things that, that they talk about constantly is peace. And they will, you know, that spills over into their political views. It spills over in a lot of different ways. They're very focused on peace. Well, listen, the Bible has a lot to say about peace, right? So our, our Buddhist friends, they're, they're seeking peace that satisfies. The problem is the peace that they're seeking never really does satisfy. And so if you would join me in Hebrews chapter 13. I apologize, it's wrong on the screen here. Hebrews chapter 13. If you're using a chair Bible, it is uh, page 974. So in the New Living Translation, Hebrews chapter 13, not 11. Hebrews chapter 13 is, is the summary. We're wrapping up the book of Hebrews. And the book of Hebrews spends its entirety talking about the fact that Jesus is better. Jesus is better than the Old Testament priests. Jesus is better than the Old Testament sacrifices. Jesus is better than the Old Testament law. Jesus is better. And here's, here's how it concludes. It says in verse 8, it says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Maybe you've heard that before. But what, what should we do about that? So it says in verse 9, So do not be attracted by strange new ideas. Your strength comes from God's grace, not from rules about food, which don't help those who follow them. People were still trying to follow Mosaic eating law, eating rules, right? The, the Mosaic laws. And when you think about a lot of world religions today, they have that same pharisaical approach. There's laws that I have to follow, and I can't eat this, and I can't do this, and I've got to do that. It says in verse 10 that we have an altar from which the priest in the tabernacle have no right to eat. See, our, the altar that we have is better than the Old Testament sacrifice. Under the old system, the high priest brought the blood of animals into the holy place as sacrifice for sin, and the bodies of the animals were burned outside the camp. So also Jesus suffered and died outside the city gates to make his people holy by means of his own blood. Jesus was the perfect sacrifice, and he just like this, the Old Testament animals, that were, their blood was shed, their, their bodies were burned. Jesus sacrificed himself for our sins. So as a result of that, in verse 13, let us go out to him outside of the camp and bear the disgrace he bore. Listen, when Jesus talked about suffering to his disciples, he said there will be suffering. Part of the Christian life is suffering. But see, the difference between the suffering that we experience in the Christian life versus the suffering that Buddhists seek and, and want to use to, to enhance their, their future enlightenment is this. See, we have, we have, we have been called to, be, to suffer for a cause, but it doesn't improve our state it doesn't improve our place, our, our, our image in God. 
We can't earn God's favor. Jesus suffered for us so that we could stand before a holy God. It says in verse 14, For this world is not our permanent home, but we are looking forward to a home yet to come. Therefore, let us offer through Jesus a continual sacrifice of praise to God. Our life should be a living sacrifice, proclaiming our allegiance to his name. And don't forget to do good and to share with those in need. These, these are the sacrifices that please God. So when you think about the contrast between what Jesus did versus what Buddhism teaches, is that the suffering that Jesus did is what has provided us the opportunity of a restored relationship with our Creator, God. It is, it is through His suffering. And when, you, and, and, and when you think about the suffering of Jesus Christ, oftentimes our mind goes to His physical suffering. The fact that He uh, was beaten and stripped of His clothes and nailed to a cross and bled and suffered physically, absolutely torturous way to be killed. But Scripture tells us that that pales, that pales in comparison to the fact that he suffered by taking my sin and your sin on himself. He became sin for us. The one who had no sin, the, the, the sinless God of heaven came down and he bore my sin he bore your sin. That, that was the great suffering of Jesus. The perfect one taking on all of our wrongdoing. You see, Jesus suffered on our behalf. In, in Philippians, Paul writes it this way, that he gave up, gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. And when he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on the cross. You see, we don't need to create suffering for ourselves. There's enough suffering in this world already. And, and, and the suffering that, that we go through is not for the purpose of, of, of achieving our enlightenment or improving our place in, in God's in God's economy, it, it is simply God has taken on the suffering of mankind through Jesus Christ in the greatest way possible so that we don't get punished for our own sin if we put our faith and trust in him. John says it this way when Jesus talked about his disciples talked to his disciples, and he said, when, when I'm departing, I'm not sure if we lost the PowerPoint here, but he said in John chapter 14, he said, he said, I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart, and the peace I give you, the world cannot give. So don't be troubled. Don't be afraid. You see, 
Buddhists want to achieve peace through their own personal suffering. Jesus Christ suffered for us so that we can achieve peace through him. And the peace that he offers is the greatest peace of all because it's not the peace that the world can give. It's peace that only God can give. So what do we do with this? Well, I think there's a couple things. Whether it's, whether it's sharing with Buddhists or, or just sharing with, with people in general, I think the principles are still the same. But, but when you talk about Buddhists, one of the things, obviously, the key points that they're going to talk about is suffering. And so if you can share with them that Jesus suffered for all of us so that we could have peace that we all crave. That, that is, that's the gospel message, and that, and that applies to Buddhists, that applies to everyone. See, Jesus suffered to give us the peace that we all crave. But also, Jesus did this. Because, because of that, we can, through that, that suffering of Jesus, and through the peace that we are able to receive through him, we can have peace through our everyday suffering. And so we need to share that with, with our Buddhist friends, with, with those around us. As we go through trials and difficulties, we should, we should exude a peace about us because we know that God is in control and God can use our suffering to accomplish great things for his purpose. They're not designed for us to achieve something on our own. So peace, the peace that, that passes understanding, peace that only God can give, that can be the greatest testimony that we can offer, whether it's to a Buddhist or anyone else that doesn't know Jesus Christ. The peace that we can have, Jesus suffered to give us the peace that we all crave. So let me ask you the question. Are you at peace? Are, are you living in such a way that people look at you and go, that's a peaceful person? I don't know if you had a chance to see the Christmas message that I shared, but talked about the fact that in the Old Testament, Isaiah and Jeremiah both were prophesying to the people of Israel during a time of, of prosperity. And people were going around, maybe you've heard this even today, greeting one another, shalom, shalom, peace. And both of them said this, you go around saying peace, peace, but there is no peace. And they were confused by that because they looked around at their world circumstances and they said, uh, for hundreds of years, we were in captivity. For, for hundreds of years, we were under oppression. We're, we're finally living in peace. What are you talking about? But see, the Old Testament prophets, just like the New Testament writers, were talking about a different peace. Not just a, 
an, a, a, a lack of suffering or a lack of problems. In fact, just the opposite. An ability to have faith and trust in what God is doing in us and through us despite our circumstances, despite our suffering. So my prayer for you today is that as you go through difficulties, and we all have, we all will, it is that peace that only God can provide through the suffering of Jesus Christ that we can have true peace, the peace that surpasses all understanding, the peace that only God can provide. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Our gracious God, we just thank you for the opportunity to look at your word and compare it to to what those uh, religions around us believe and to understand the truth of your word. And God, help us to be the example of people around us. Uh, may we be more peaceful than, than, than Buddhists because we have the true peace that's provided by you and you're by your son alone. God, we thank you and praise you for the, the miraculous provision that you gave to us through your son, Jesus Christ. We recognize that our sin keeps us from your holy presence. Our, we're, we're, we're frail. We're, we're, we're full of mistakes and, and, and bad decisions and wrongful actions and poor motivations. But God, the, the truth of your good news of Jesus Christ is that by putting our trust in him, we can have a restored relationship with you and that you see his perfection, not our sinfulness. And God, we thank you. We praise you for that. And my prayer this morning is that if there's any that have not made that decision to follow you, that you would prompt them, you would work in their heart, that the Holy Spirit would, would stir their thinking, that they might come to a decision point of accepting you. And God, for those of us who have put our faith in you, God, I pray that you will use us in such a way that despite whatever difficulties we might be experiencing, that we demonstrate your peace, the heavenly peace, the peace of God that only comes through a, a relationship with Jesus Christ. God, we praise you and thank you for all of that. We pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen.